is a particular fictional figure that's very popular these days. It's a scary figure that's meant to tap into a very specific fear that we all have buried in our subconscious. These particular monsters that I'm talking about travel in groups and they infect the world around them. The very sight of these monsters is often enough to scare an individual and yet it seems that we see them every time we turn around. They're showing up all over the place in movies and video games and television shows and books. I'm talking, of course, about zombies. Stay with me. Whether it's The State of Decay, which is a video game, World War Z, Warm Bodies, I Am Legend, or The Walking Dead, zombies are all the rage these days. And so maybe it's because I saw a whole bunch of people dressed as zombies asking for candy on Wednesday night. Or maybe it's because they're just showing up every time I turn around or open my Netflix queue. But for whatever reason, I've been thinking a lot about zombies lately, okay? And I've been wondering why these particular monsters are so popular in 2018. And so I began looking into this, and I was amazed by what I found. It seems that there's a lot that we can learn about our current obsession with zombies. And now, I don't want to get into it all just right now, but suffice it to say that there's something to teach us here about what's going on in our country, and about what's going on in our churches, and yeah, what's going on in our souls as well. So let's get to work, shall we? We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 12 this morning, and I've titled this sermon, No More Zombies. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. I'd like to begin by diving right into the scriptures. I'm sure that many of you are really anxious to hear what I have to say about zombies, but the scriptures are why we're actually here this morning, church, okay? So let's put first things first. If you can open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, and we'll be starting at verse 28. Mark 12, verse 28. Now, as you're finding your place, whether it's in the Pew Bibles or on your phone, whatever have you, brought your own Bible. As you're finding your place, I just want to give you a little bit of background. You see, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's been teaching in the synagogue, but he's constantly being challenged by different groups. First, the Pharisees come, and they try to trip him up with a trick question. Then the Sadducees come, and they have a similar goal in mind, and both times, Jesus leaves them speechless. But now, what we're about to read, now the scribes are going to come to challenge Jesus with a trick question, to try and stump the rabbi, if you will. And so the scribes, what you need to know, they were people who knew the scriptures backwards and forwards, right? They were the ones that wrote it down so that people could have it in their possession, so they knew what the Bible had to say. And so, obviously, what they're going to come to Jesus with is a question about the scriptures, And now look with me at verse 28. Let's see what happens. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Okay, stop there. Now, we likely have heard this particular passage before. Right? This is Jesus giving us the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is a Sunday school lesson all packaged neatly for us. We are so happy that Jesus has been able to put all of the commandments succinctly and simply for us. He's telling us what it means to be a Christian. But, but I want you to see that there's actually a greater level of genius here going on. Jesus isn't just boiling down the commandments into a simple, neat package. What Jesus is doing here is he's quoting Scripture. Remember, the scribe knew the Scriptures backwards and forwards, and so when the scribe asked Jesus this question, he was really trying to see if Jesus knew his stuff. And so when Jesus responds, he responds by quoting the Scriptures. It's true. The first statement that Jesus says is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Listen to his second statement. His second statement that he says to the scribes is, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That, friends, is a direct quote from Leviticus chapter 19. You see, Jesus wasn't proclaiming a brand new idea here. Rather, he was taking very old words from Scripture and he was recasting them for the future. He was building on the past. He was taking two old, well-known Scripture passages and giving them new meaning by placing them side by side. Jesus was taking something old and he was making it new. But that's just what Jesus does, isn't it? All the time. Throughout the scriptures, there's these stories of people being amazed by the new teachings that Jesus is offering. But if you really look carefully at what Jesus is saying, you notice that he's just taking old traditional Jewish ideas and twisting them a little bit. Giving them new life and new meaning. And then, of course, all of his healings and miracles is about Jesus taking something old or sick or, in Lazarus's case, dead And Jesus making them new. Jesus will restore their bodies. He'll forgive their sins. He'll give them new life. This is what Jesus does, church, again and again and again. Jesus promises us and gives us new life. He takes something old and he makes it new. But the problem is that we're living in a world of zombies. And a zombie is pretty much the exact opposite of taking something old and making it new. A zombie is a monster that is dead and yet is somehow still able to lurch about here and there. It seems strange that these monsters are so popular in 2018. In 2018, it seems like we are all about things that are new. You get a new phone every six months. You see the newest car model every year. The newest shoes come out with every new season. New, new, new. That's what we want. That's what we like. So then why are we so interested in zombies? Why are there so many stories being told about these creatures that are just something old brought back to life? Well, it's interesting. Because psychologists have found that the type of monster that is most popular in a society at a specific point in time often reflects 
the underlying fears at that moment. It's true. The novel Frankenstein was released in England in the 1830s. And now Frankenstein, for those who don't know, is a story about a mad scientist who creates a monster. And so it's a story that articulates a strong fear of science and technology. What could happen if these get out of control? And what you need to know is that in the 1830s, this is when the first steam locomotives were hitting the market. This is when electric motors were popping up. Railways were being constructed. You see, Frankenstein was so popular back then because the society was deeply afraid of what these new technological and scientific advancements could mean for society. Now flash forward 120 years. The year is 1954. Godzilla premieres in Japan for the first time. And now Godzilla is all about nature getting out of control. It's this huge monster that can't be stopped that's destroying cities. And now what you need to know is that in 1954 in Japan, that country was living with the environmental aftermath of the atomic bombs that were dropped there. Everyone was terrified by the ways that their water was poisoned, crops wouldn't grow, what was going to become. Nature was out of control and not functioning in the ways that they thought. And that's why Godzilla was so popular in that year. Which brings us to today and to the zombies. Zombies are the living dead. They represent the past coming back to life in unnatural ways. Not only that, but the other thing about zombies is that they're always traveling in groups. It's never just one, it's always a whole horde of them. So the reason that these are the monsters of choice in 2018 is because our society is afraid of groups of people trying to bring the past back in unnatural ways. The truth is... Our world is currently filled with zombies, church. Every time I turn around, I hear another story about some person or some group taking an old, tired idea that I thought we had moved beyond as a society, and these groups are bringing these dead ideas back into our world in the most unholy of ways. I'm specifically talking about things like racism and anti-Semitism. Things that I really thought we were done with and out of the way, but all of a sudden they seem more prevalent than ever. It was 10 years ago today, November 4th, 2008, when we elected the first black president of the United States. And many thought that this was a huge step forward for our country. Some people thought that we were finally turning the corner, that the old and evil ways of racism were on their way out. But now here we are, 10 years later. (laughs) And it's clear that some very powerful people are digging up these old evil ways and they're making them commonplace again. Another example, after the horrors of the Holocaust, everyone said that we would never let hatred and evil like that happen again. But just last week, we saw the evil of anti-Semitism dredged up and on full display at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. 
racism, anti-Semitism, these are old ideas that need to stay dead, but instead we see their zombie form marching through our streets again. And as the Church of Jesus Christ, we cannot allow these zombies to continue. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says. Those are not complicated words. You cannot fit racism or anti-Semitism into that commandment. That's not how it works. Love your neighbor as yourself, no exceptions. You see, Jesus isn't on the side of the zombies. Racism, anti-Semitism, hatred, violence, they have no place in his kingdom. And not only that, but Jesus is also opposed to anyone who tries to take something old and force it to live again. Taking the old and bringing it back, that's not the way of Jesus. Jesus makes all things new. When Jesus was challenged by the scribe, he took old words of scripture and breathed new life and meaning into those words. And this is a very important point for us to understand because oftentimes churches put all their focus and attention on things that are old and from the past. I know a lot of churches that spend so much time trying to figure out how to make their church the way it used to be. Let's bring that program back. Let's try that outreach method from the 1950s. But you know what? Those are not the ways of Jesus. You know what? If you bring the church back to the way it used to be, that's a zombie church. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus takes the old and makes it new. Jesus cares about the way churches used to be, yes. Jesus cares about your history and your past, but Jesus wants to build on that. Jesus wants to build on where you've been so that the church can find new and vibrant ways to love God and love your neighbor. The instructions from Jesus are so simple and so clear. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. These are old words, but they can become new in us today. Love God with all your heart and with all your soul and mind, Jesus says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Make these words new, church, by recommitting yourself to a daily spiritual practice. Make these words new by reaching out to that lonely person who lives on your block. Make these words new by forgiving that grudge that you've held on to for so long. Make these words new by allowing yourself to have hope, even in the face of despair. One more point about zombies. I had a lot of fun with these. Zombies are not the way God works. I know, I know. That seems obvious. I've kind of said this already. But here's what I mean specifically. Zombies are these creatures that are dead and then reanimated. They come back as this weird half-dead, half-alive monstrosity. But that's not what God promises. Jesus, when challenged by the scribes, took something old and ancient and breathed new life into it. And after Jesus was killed on Good Friday, he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, not as a zombie, but as the new resurrected Christ. This is God's greatest promise to us, church. God promises us that tomorrow doesn't have to be like today. Whatever you're going through right now, God can do something new in your life. Are you feeling aimless and purposeless? Are you feeling like the best days have passed you by? Are you feeling overwhelmed by all the bad news? 
God can do something new in those circumstances. God doesn't want you just walking around, going through the motions like some sort of zombie. God longs for each of us to find purpose and passion and joy and wholeness in our life. We were not created to lurch around each day in some sort of half-alive stupor. God longs for each of us to discover a new way of life in Him. It's All Saints Day, church. A day that's all about new life and the promise and power of the resurrection. We're going to take time in just a few moments to remember those people who we have lost. All of our friends and family who died because of cancer or heart disease or Alzheimer's or mental illness or tragic accident, whatever it might be. We'll remember these people today and it'll be hard. It'll be difficult and sad and that's okay. God wants us to discover wholeness and meaning and purpose for our life. But if today you just need to mourn, that is a holy undertaking as well. But however we approach this day of remembering the dead, above all else, we must remember the power of the resurrection. Because when the last trumpet blows and God brings all the people up from the grave, they will not rise as people who are sick. They won't be raised as some sort of half-alive, half-dead zombie. God is so much better than that. When the final resurrection comes, we have been promised that all will be restored. All will be redeemed. All will be made new. Cancer will be no more. Heart disease will be no more. Addiction will be no more. Mental illness will be no more. Hatred and pettiness and despair will be no more. Every tear will be wiped away. All disgrace will be removed and all will be made right by God. At times like these, we must center ourselves on this powerful promise. Let your heart and soul and mind be steeped in the power of the resurrection, church. God is making all things new in our world, in our country, in our neighborhoods, in our church, and in us. God is making all things new. That is the promise and the gift. Amen. Amen.